This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet, Episode 48. Welcome to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineering leaders thrive. Today, I chat with Anthony Fasano, president of the Engineering Management Institute, about the importance of leadership, management, and career development for engineering staff. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am Pat Sweet. Happy to be here once again with you. And uh, happy Engineering Month. We're celebrating Engineering Month here in Canada. All of March is dedicated to engineering, which is very, very exciting to be part of this community. I, I recently attended for the first time in a dog's age, uh, a, a real live event hosted by Engineers Nova Scotia, which was an awful lot of fun. It was great to see people. It was great to see some really incredible, really innovative stuff happening here in my home province. But more than anything, what really struck me about that was what a strong community we have in the world of engineering here in Nova Scotia, but but more broadly as well. And it's amazing for that to be pointed out so clearly when you do get a chance to gather, how easy it is to recognize people, how close those bonds are. So I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to do that and uh, looking forward to even more events in the near future for 2022 and beyond. I've got a really wonderful episode coming up with my friend tour. Anthony Fasano, someone who I've learned an awful lot from over the years, worked very closely with over the years. So that's going to be an awful lot of fun. Before I get to that, though, a few things I wanted to mention. One, some really exciting news personally is I'm now the Director of Communications for the American Society for Engineering Management. And if you're not familiar with ASCM, it's a wonderful little organization dedicated, frankly, to what you would expect, the advancement of engineering management. So whether you're a student or an academic or a practitioner, someone working in industry, ASCM is this wonderful community. I just talked off the top about this sense of community within engineering. Well, ASCM really is a community dedicated to people leading and managing engineering work. So I would highly encourage you to check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes so that you can uh, go check them out. There's a little something for everyone at ASAM. And uh, again, very happy to be an official member of the board and, and to be helping push the mission, which I think lines up really nicely with what I'm trying to do here with the podcast and my business which is to help engineering leaders thrive. That's the, the whole name of the game. And another exciting news, finally, finally, my Productivity for Engineering Managers course is now live. So this is something I've been talking about quite a bit over the last several weeks, these ideas around productivity for engineering managers. Managers within engineering are incredibly busy. They're overwhelmed. If you're not already burnt out, you're probably on the verge of it. So what I've done is I've put together an online video-based course designed to help busy engineering managers take control of their work, get things done, find balance, and prioritize what matters. So of course, this is a, a very 
big moment in the the growth maturity of my own business. So to help celebrate, what I'm going to do is for the first 50 people who sign up by Friday, March 11th, you'll be able to get the course for half price. All you have to do is use the code productivity 50. So productivity five zero when you decide to pick up the course and yeah, you get it for half price. So hopefully this is something that is of interest to you and you get a chance to uh, to sign up and check it out. If you are interested, you can go to engineeringandleadership.com slash P-E-M, which of course stands for Productivity for Engineering Managers. So that URL again is engineeringandleadership.com slash P-E-M. Hope to see you there. All right, let's move on to the main content for today. In this age of the great resignation, engineering firms everywhere are asking themselves what they need to do in order to attract and retain the best talent. Maybe you're an engineering manager asking yourself that very question. Should you give people more money? Should you give them better flexibility, better benefits? What exactly do you need to do? As you'll hear, my guest today believes that the single most important thing you can do is provide a clear path for career growth and to actively support that growth for your staff. And he's got the data to prove it. Anthony Fasano is the president and CEO of the Engineering Management Institute, an organization dedicated to helping engineers develop managerial skills such as communication, public speaking, networking, productivity, and leadership. Anthony himself is a professional engineer and a certified professional coach, and he holds a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering from Lafayette College and a Master of Science in Civil Engineering from Columbia University. Here's my chat with Anthony. Mr. Anthony Fasano, welcome to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Pat. I'm excited for this. Yeah, this has been a long time coming. You and I have been operating in this engineering management leadership world for a number of years uh, now. And and if I can say, your your work was the original inspiration for for me getting into this. So I'm, I'm super excited about this. Today, the, the plan is to talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, leadership and the development of leadership skills within engineers. And you, you've been on a, on a long journey covering this kind of material, teaching people, training people. So I'd like to start by reaching back into your own engineering career and, and hear a bit about your story, kind of making that transition from an individual contributor into leadership. Well, what did that look like and, and why, why was that important for you? Yeah, sure. So I was an engineer. Well, I guess I am an engineer, but I used to practice as an engineer and I went to school for civil engineering and I graduated and got a job with a consulting engineering firm. And kind of right off the bat for me, I knew that I wanted to one day become an owner in that firm or, you know, definitely a leader in that firm in some way. And so right away, I started looking at the other leaders in the firm. I'd always been into like coaching. I, I, I had a Tony Robbins book since I was a kid. I used to read it and I, I got fired up about it. And one of the things that he always said was, if you want to be like someone, figure out what they do, you know, watch them, see what they're doing. And so I would look at these leaders in the company and I noticed this pretty interesting pattern in that they had the technical skills like everyone else, but they had these other skills, right? They had the ability to connect with people, communicate with people, speak in public. They could delegate tasks. They could lead projects. And so it just became very clear to me that the road to kind of success in engineering leadership is by developing these other skills and becoming a well-rounded engineering professional. And so 
that's what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, there wasn't really a lot of resources out there for that specific to engineering. However, there were resources. So I, you know, I read like Dale Carnegie's book and I would go watch videos and take online courses. And I did a pretty good job, I would say, and kind of developed these skills the best I could on my own. <clears throat> and then one day my boss approached me and said, Hey, Anthony, you know, we love what you're doing here. Would you be open to going around to some of our other offices and training the other engineering professionals here on these skill sets? And so my answer to that that person was absolutely not because I'm an engineer. I'm not a trainer or instructor of any kind. And so it took me some time, but I did ultimately come around. I put together a curriculum. I, I just took out a sheet of paper one day, sketched something out. And I went around to the other offices and did some of these, you know, very informal lunch and learns. And basically a couple of things happened. One was I loved it. I mean, I really liked helping these technical professionals who just never had this knowledge before, you know, they weren't privy to it. They, they didn't have the abilities to develop these skills. So that was, I like that a lot. That was exciting to me. But then the other part of it was that there were, we saw results. The company started seeing, you know, some better communication between team members, some better client correspondence and better project performance. And so at that time, I kind of said, this is something I want to do more of. So I enrolled in an executive coaching school in the evenings, which was a pretty intensive program. I went through that. I joined Toastmasters so I could learn how to speak effectively. And I convinced the company to let me build an internal management and leadership training company. I was lucky that our HR director had gone to the same coaching school as me. So she was in on it with me. We built it together. We ran the program. It went really well. But after a year, I kind of said to myself, if there's this many people in one company that are struggling with these skill sets, there must be thousands of them out there. And so that's when I kind of made the decision that I was going to kind of leave my engineering career behind and go out and just try to do coaching and training and teaching of these softer and leadership skills for engineers on a full-time basis. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard that full story. And I really love that you said no. <laughs> knowing knowing what I know about you and the career you, you, you've had since leaving engineering and, 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 and the business you've built, it's, it's, it's quite amazing for that to have been the starting point, that initial reluctance. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that's an important point for all engineering professionals because the reason I say that is because when I started doing this, I was just a terrible speaker. I mean, I spoke really fast. Nobody could really understand me. I had to go to you know public speaking. I went to Toastmasters. And the reason I say that is because that's a big misnomer, I think, for engineers is that we can't speak in public effectively. You know, We're not good speakers. We're not good communicators. And the reality of it is like everything else in life, it's something that you can learn. You know, I'm kind of living proof of that. So if anyone says to me, you know, I wasn't born with good speaking skills, I just tell them that that's completely false because either was I, but now I've spoken in over 40 states, thousands of engineers across the country and done 500 podcast episodes. So, so I like to use myself as an example for that because I think limiting beliefs like that are very destructive in terms of leadership development. And, you know, you have to overcome those because you can really learn anything you want to learn. You just, it takes some determination and you have to just keep at it. Well, I think that's that's already a theme that is starting to emerge here a little bit is you recognized in the in the people you wanted to become like and look like and follow that career path, that partnership path, and kind of you took the reins. You weren't waiting for the company to develop you. You went out and read Dale Carnegie. You went out and bought the books and the online courses and all the rest. And I, I think I think that that's important for people to recognize is that the opportunity to learn and grow is not, you know, it's not such a, a huge mountain to climb, is it? And, and today, it, it's got to be even easier than when you were doing it at, at the beginning of your career. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, 
that's why I named my book Engineer Your Own Success. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. you know that's what you have to do in your career. You can't sit back and wait. And you know what? To your last point there, in terms of you know what's available to you in today's world. When I started doing this, the reason I wanted to do this was because there wasn't a lot of these resources available for engineering professionals because most companies didn't think about soft skills back then. I mean, projects weren't as complex. There wasn't as many forms of communication, you know, different ways of communicating. And so over time, communication has been a much more important aspect of leadership and engineering. And these other skill sets in terms of people interaction and project management are more important than they've ever been before. And that's why I think in the world we live in today, it is great now that there are a lot of resources like both of our websites and training programs and things out there for engineers that weren't always available, but it is still up to you in some ways to go out there and take advantage of these resources and try to build these skills because no one's going to do that for you. Yeah, that's right. The, the opportunity is there, but you've got to take that step. It, it has to be, you, you do have to take ownership of that. You've kind of anticipated my next question here, which is about, about leadership and the importance of leadership for engineers, but both today and moving forward. And, and you already kind of alluded to it, is that projects are more complex, that there, there's just plain more going on. There's more to manage. Where do you see things moving in the future? And how do you expect leadership to kind of play a role in the, in the workplace of the future? Like we're already being confronted with new ways of working. Hybrid work and remote work is, is here to stay. I, I don't think there's any debate there. What other changes do you see on the horizon for engineers in the way we, we approach our work? It's a really good question. And, you know, I was just doing one of the, uh, at EMI here, we're kind of doing our kind of annual performance discussions with everyone here. And I was having a discussion with one of our content editors, he edits all of our podcasts and stuff. And he says, you know, I've been listening, I've listened to all the podcasts. Right. And he's like, what I really learned from about engineering and careers is that it's really all about the people. Right. And I think, I think that's one common denominator that regardless of what happens in terms of remote work, working in person, large projects, small projects, engineering is about people. You need to work with people, teams of people. You need to present to people. You know, you need to get approvals from people. You need to build projects for people. So at the end of the day, your ability to interact with people, to get along with people, you know, to lead people is just critical. So, you know, it's going to get challenging in terms of different forms of communication, you know, using uh, Teams and Slack and all these different things now. But as long as you, I think, fundamentally can you know, work on your ability to interact with people and relate with people, listen to people, that's really, I think, will always be the key. I think that's always going to kind of trump everything else, because if you can do that, the forms of communication don't matter so much because you'll figure that out along the way. So I think that that's important. I do think something that we have to be really cautious about, and I think you and I may have talked about this before a little bit, but <clears throat> it's the distraction factor right now. You know, I, I just... I read Cal Newport's book, A World Without Email. And, you know, we work in, a, in an industry where, you know, deep work is critical. I mean, you have to sit there for hours sometimes and design a bridge, design a gear, design something, put together a report for a community, for a water system, whatever the case may be. And if you're getting constantly distracted by messages and instant messages and text messages, it definitely has an impact on number one, the quality of work that can be put out there. And number two, like your overall focus and stress levels. So I think that people relations is your number one skill, regardless of what the forms of communication are. But I also think that we need to adapt to be able to still 
do productive work as engineers in a world where, you know, you're up against distractions, unlimited distractions, essentially. And so we kind of work hard at the Engineering Management Institute and trying to set up systems for our team so we can kind of work as undistracted as possible, but still communicate with each other. And I've been trying to relay that to our engineering clients and CEOs of the companies we work with and telling them, you know, you need to pay attention to this because, you know, that distraction level is costing you dollars. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, that, and that Cal Newport book, A World Without Email, is a brilliant read. Um, so I, I, anyone listening to this, go pick that up. Um, yeah. uh, finish listening to the episode, but then go pick it up. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a, a life changer. For it sure. really is. It really is. And, and I think encapsulates a lot of the a lot of the challenges that engineers see and feel at the office, but maybe can't quite articulate. Well, one of the things you, you talked about is, you know, trying to deal with distractions. This is one of the things that I think is part of the future of leadership and management is going beyond managing your own distractions, right, for that productive work, but then also running interference for your team so that they are not distracted, so that they can focus. You know, what, what, one of the things that we talk about when we, when we train people in, in leadership and management is the importance of goal setting, setting that that vision for the future so that people are oriented, right? But I think the next step is clearing the path and keeping that path clear so that people don't get pulled off into a thousand different directions. I think that's going to be a key skill for leaders of the future. I don't see I don't see it getting easier to focus as we go. No, you're 100% right. And that's one of the things we've worked also pretty hard at here We've put a lot of systems in place to help that because, you know, I noticed recently, I mean, we do a lot of different content channels. We have like four podcasts, three YouTube channels, three blogs. And so, you know, our content manager is constantly, you know, you know, maybe telling me like, this is ready for review. We have this, this one's next. And so what we decided to do is we built kind of like a Google sheet. Well, it's really an Airtable sheet, similar type of thing. And we have all of our content on there. And whenever something's done, she'll just change the status column now, like ready for Anthony's review. And I go in there once a week at the same time every week that she knows and I review everything. Right. And so that really eliminates a lot of back and forth in terms of questions and instant messages. You know, you put it there. I'm going to go there on this date and time and I'm going to get it. And I think that clears the slate for both of us from a lot of distractions. And so, you know, to your point as a leader, you need to think about kind of the workflow processes and how people are getting interrupted or how they're not getting interrupted. And you need to try to minimize that so that, you know, the company can really move towards its objectives and, and not be slowed down in that way. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the, the importance, the importance of, of managing the work and allowing good work to happen. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I, I bring this up from time to time in the podcast. I don't remember the last time I solved a second order differential equation. It was probably, there's probably nothing I stressed out about more in undergrad and, and haven't gone back to it since. But like you said, the, the, the people interaction, the systems development, work systems development has been crucial to my career based on what you're saying here for, for yours too. Let's say someone is kind of convinced, said, yeah, no, th this is important. I, I really do need to, to develop myself as a leader. I need to develop my people skills. What might you recommend as a first step? Maybe someone's happened upon this podcast or like, I, I want to grow in these skills. What, what might you recommend to people to say, like, I want to take that first step toward becoming a leader? Where, where do you go? What do you do? Yeah. So I think that in terms of leadership, I mean, I think one of the most important aspects of leadership is that there has to be a goal that like you want to achieve as a leader, and then you have to be able to get the team members to also want to achieve it. And I think that's critical because, you know, 
you may think someone's not a leader, but they may not be excited about what they're working on, right? So those are like two different things. So the first thing I would say is you need, you need to be a part of a cause or something greater that interests you. So hopefully if you're working for a company, the kind of work you're doing, the clients you're serving, you're excited about that. And that hopefully would be an impetus for you to like, you know, want to take on a leadership role. I think another thing that you should try to do is assess yourself, whether it's taking some kind of assessment or getting feedback from people around you. I know at EMI, we've used some different assessments like the Colby A assessment, the DISC assessment. And you know everyone here will take the assessment and we'll all share the results because it just helps you to communicate better with people. It helps you understand your strengths and weaknesses and try to work around them. And so I think that those are really good things to do if you want to become a strong leader is you need to identify the areas that you're going to need to strengthen. And, and like I said, for me, I definitely wanted to be able to speak more effectively. I think the executive coaching school was very helpful for me. And I could see that being helpful for any leader because it teaches you how to kind of like listen more and try to like, you know, understand what the needs of the other other person is, which is a big part of leadership. So, you know, I guess to kind of recap that, I think number one, you got to make sure that you're, you know, working for something that interests you or else, you know, your real leadership skills, I don't think will come out. You should try to do some kind of assessment. And I do like, you know, there's a couple I can mention, like the Colby A., Strengths Finder is a good one. And the DISC assessment, those are some good ones that a lot of people use. That will just give you a little bit of a background on your personality, what your strengths might be, your weaknesses, and getting feedback from people that you work with. You know, What do you think some of my strengths are? What do you think I can improve on? If you can get that kind of unbiased feedback from people, I think that gives you a great blueprint to become a better leader. I mean, I think that the basic advice that people are always going to give you is become a good communicator. I just think that the, sometimes that's vague and like, number one, people don't know how to do that specifically, right? Like there are some things you can do, but if you hear from people specific things that they think you can improve on, then I think you're going to become kind of a better version of yourself, which can help you as a leader. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fantastic advice. It's funny, just uh, just an hour ago, I was speaking with some colleagues about the uh, the strengths finder assessment and, and how pivotal that's been for for understanding myself and understanding which strengths I have to to lean into particularly I uh, highly highly recommended stuff so let, let's shift gears a little bit here because I, I think everything you, you said makes sense for the individual who recognizes in themselves that they want to grow and develop but I think from the perspective of an organization ha- having a single person, really invest in those skills is great. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. But the power of having kind of a cohort of leaders and managers within an organization is phenomenal, right? Because it's it's kind of, there's there's this virtuous cycle that happens when people are thinking in in terms of, of strong leadership and establishing strong organizational systems. So if you're running an organization and you you realize I really do want my engineers to to be strong leaders, strong managers, have strong people and communication skills. That's not, you know, you've, you've got to go beyond just giving people a couple hours a month to read a book or something. You, you've got to set up some sort of process for this. What does a great leadership program look like within an organization? H- how would you go about structuring something like that? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. And a couple of things that I'll say up front is, first of all, Leaders and engineering companies need to understand that people, leadership, and project management are two different skill sets. Mm, yep. And a lot of times they get blended together. And managing a project is focusing on scope, schedule, budgeting, things of that nature. Managing people 
is communicating with people, you know, inspiring them to reach their goals, helping them through certain issues they're dealing with, right? And so that's one mistake that a lot of companies make is like they might do a project management training and think that that's kind of the same as leadership. They might do some people skills communication training and then think that they're those people are going to be able to manage projects effectively. And those two things are different. Mm -hmm. So that's one big thing that I think companies need to understand. Now, you could certainly have a combined program, but most people don't. They usually maybe pick one or the other and usually tends to be project management. The other thing that I would say to leaders of companies is... You have to get away from the word training. Mm. Training is a bad word in the world of engineering because for many years, what training has meant to us as engineers is you go to this boot camp, you go to a hotel all day, you get, you know, you get tons of information that you take on. It's like information overload. You get a big binder, you get a PDF, you go back to your office, you never look at it again because no. you never have time. Or you go to a webinar one day, a lunch and learn, you do the webinar, you get a great PDH, you go back to work and you forget about the webinar. And so what we like to say to EMI is we, we like to use the words learning and development instead of training. And the idea is, is that training is a component of learning and development, but it's usually one component of it. So like, for example, in some of our learning and development programs, you'll do a series of live webinars with an instructor but you're going to have assignments in between. You're going to have to practice on the job. You're going to have a follow-up coaching call where you can talk about, I tried this and it didn't work, or I tried this and it did work. So you can get some help with implementation. And I think that that's something that companies need to realize is that they need to build more of a culture of development, which means that people are developing these skills like 24-7 on the job, during the training events. And it's not just going to a training and checking a training box because that's not going to work and that's not really going to help you with development long-term. So I think that that's, that's a second thing that's important. And I think the third thing that they need to think about is that development is, is, has to be more of a cultural thing in everything you do, the language, the documents. You can't just send 10 people from a hundred person company to a leadership training program and think that it's going to help your company. Right. Like everyone needs to speak the same language, the people that they speak, the people that they're going to lead, the people that are leading them. And if you have like people going to different programs, it's not really going to add up. They're going to be speaking like different languages. And that's why we always recommend for companies that you build a program. And whether it means you hire an external provider that comes in and builds it for you and helps you deliver it, or over time you build your own program internally, that's a good way to do it. Cause then you're giving consistent training to people, right? Through these different development programs and everyone in the company at some way, shape or form can get access to this at some time. So they're speaking the same language. And so, you know, we do that, but what happens a lot of times is companies try to do it on their own. They mm -hmm. say like we do internal training, but then when I talk to the, the staff there, they say that it doesn't happen because people get too busy and then they don't have time to give the training. And so that's another mistake. You have to have a program that's going consistently and you're cycling people in and out of it over time so that everyone's getting access to the same kind of verbiage, vernacular. And, and that's really some things that people need to think about if they really want to develop the leadership skills. So they have to separate project management, and people management, at least it's two different things. You can certainly combine them in a program. You have to get away from the idea of training, think more about development, the culture of developing 24-7, and then having some kind of consistent training program. It's more beneficial if it could be custom to what you do and not like something off the shelf per se. But those things, if you could do those things, you can start to really build a consistent culture of you know the leadership skills that you want to build as opposed to like one-off, let's hope that this works type of thing. Yeah, that, that, that makes it makes perfect sense to me because... You know, let, let, let's say you're learning project management. You're learning about 
earned value management. You know, th- there are certain things that any textbook on project management would cover when you're learning earned value. But how does that get applied in a particular organization? Which person is responsible for what? What form do you fill out? Who do you send it to? You know, there, there's this integration that has to happen within the organization for it to stick and make sense. Otherwise, it's 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 difficult to make that jump from theory to what you're actually going to do at work. And I think the only way to figure that out is, like you said, to actually try doing it in the context of your work. So I, uh, I, I think I think that's really, really interesting. I, I, can, I can only imagine that your, your background as a coach informs that approach, that you're not just parachuting in and, you know, delivering an afternoon-long seminar and then bailing. Like, that. Yeah. We won't even do that anymore if someone asks, quite frankly. I just tell them it's a waste of your money and the time of your people. Like, what's the, I mean, you know, I mean, if I'm doing a one hour session, I may be able to give them a strategy that they could use that'll give them some value out of it. But, you know, for the company's purpose, they really need something that's going to stick. They need something that's, you know, more than just that one time training event. And, you know, the one thing that's crazy about this is that this is the reason that people are having so much trouble today in terms of keeping engineers from leaving their company and not being able to hire engineers right now. Because most engineers want career growth and development opportunities. In fact, I did a survey on my LinkedIn uh, about a month or so ago asking engineers, I had over 700 engineers respond. And basically the question was, what's most important to you from your company? Is it your salary and your bonus? Is it your benefits? Is it the flexibility of remote work? Or is it career growth and development opportunities? And career growth and development opportunities was the winner with over 50% of the people saying that. And so what I try to tell our clients or companies that we're talking to about these development programs is that if you build a great development program, you're in the minority of engineering companies. Unfortunately, you are, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for engineers. So what that means is that when someone, when you need to hire engineers, you're going to say, hey, Pat, we built a great people, leadership, and project management training program that you're going to have access to. And they're going to be like, really? That's awesome. I want you know, sign me up for that, right? Well, it means the people that work for you are going to get access to this program that people don't often get, which they're going to love, and they're not going to want to leave your company. So it's kind of one of those things that it helps you hire, it helps you develop, and it helps you retain. And so I, I tell our clients all the time is that you're getting like three benefits to this program. It's not just about giving them this quote unquote training and like checking that box. It's about putting it on your careers page and people come to want to work for you for these kind of development programs. It's like, you know, developing your people so that you can maximize their efforts and their abilities to interact with people. And then it's like, people aren't going to ever want to leave if you're doing that stuff. So, you know, unfortunately, most engineering companies don't want their engineering professionals to be going to too much training because of course it's not billable time. But what I always say to them is, if you're too if you're too busy to fill up the car with gas, eventually you're going to run out. <laughs> that's a that's a good analogy. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And I guess one of the things that's super interesting about that that survey that you did uh, that that's not the results are not what I would have expected. I, I would have expected people to to value career advancement and development and that kind of thing, but. But not a number one. Why, why do you think that is? Why, why, why do you think it's not something more kind of black and white, like, you know, salary is most important because I've got to put food on the table and pay the mortgage? That I, I think maybe the cynical side of me might have guessed that that would have been number one. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, I think that 
in today's landscape, people know, engineers know they can go anywhere and get paid. If you go to any, any one of our clients, I was looking at their career pages, there's like 70 openings at these companies. So someone could probably go anywhere and get a better salary if they really wanted to, right? Most of these companies are pretty competitive when it comes to salaries and benefits and 401ks and stuff like that, right? So that's not like something that you can't get anywhere, right? Again, health benefits, same. Flexibility, most companies are real flexible right now in terms of remote work and stuff like that. But just not a lot of companies have those career growth and development opportunities. And I think that that's the reason because it's so rare and that's what people want. In fact, one of the things we've been doing lately, and I've been working with a lot of companies on this, is we've been creating these career roadmaps, we call them, so that the career roadmap shows your employees every possible pathway that they could take in their careers at your company. It could be technical, managerial, executive, business development. And what happens is a lot. I do a lot of interviews with employees at companies when we're designing the roadmap. And one of the questions is like, what are the, what are the next steps in your career at your company? You wouldn't imagine how many engineers could say, I have no idea. I don't know what the next steps are. I don't know what opportunities are there. Nobody's told me. Mm-hmm. And this career clarity is probably the most important thing that you can provide to your employees. Because if they don't have it, I always tell people, it's kind of like they're in a boat, they're in a canoe out in the ocean, and it's foggy. They don't know where they're going. They can't see anything ahead of them. So what, are they going to be excited to row the boat? No, I would be out excited to row the boat into a fog that I can't see where I'm going. Right. So, so by creating these career roadmaps, we're helping the company to create clarity for their professionals that they know what's ahead. They can see the options. They can be excited about those options. And then often we'll come in and then we'll build some learning and development programs and we'll kind of map them to the roadmap. So if you're going to get to the project management stage, right before that, we're going to give you project management training, right? So now I know like, hey, this is great. I know where I'm going. I know the company's going to support me on my way. Why would I ever leave this company? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think that that clarity, going back to your question, that clarity is why the growth the career growth and support is so important because they want to just know where they're going and they want to have the support to get there. I think they know that if that happens, they're going to have money because you know all these companies are relatively competitive in terms of their salary. And right now with the way the marketplace is, they're all busy and they're all doing well financially. So that's not an issue. So it really just comes down to people, honestly. And um, I just wish more companies would get a hold on that and really take the time you know, because there is a time investment involved in some of this stuff and a, and a monetary investment. But you know, you have to think about your sustainable long-term growth of your company, and it's gonna something's gonna break eventually if you don't, you know, take care of this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it helps attract and retain people, and fuels business performance too. It's right. it's, it's win-win-win. And I, I really like this uh, this idea of that career roadmap, and and in in my my current role, my day job, so to speak, this was one of the main deliverables that I had to put together. It was a department that had run for years and years and years without that clarity. And document, it doesn't have to be anything overly complex, but documenting, here's, if you're here, you could go here, here, and here. Here are the different departments that you could swap with. Here are the different roles you could have. Provided immense value for the people within the department. One of the other, I think, crucial benefits that comes from something like this is showing engineers that management is not the only next step. And and you, you mentioned it without even skipping a beat that, that you could pursue people management, project management, or technical expertise, become a subject matter expert. And this is something I'm, I'm quite passionate about because I think a lot of engineers feel like becoming a leader, becoming a manager is the only way to progress 
it's the only next rung in the ladder. And I think that draws a lot of people who would be much happier, much better as high-level individual contributors into management when, when they ought not to be. Yeah, you know, it's a it's something I think about often too. And I do think it's one of the downsides of the world of engineering is that a lot of engineers do feel like there's only one road for them, which is technical for a while and then pushed into management. Right. And, you know, sometimes you hear about that proverbial fork in the road where it's like, are you going to go technical, stay technical or go manager, managerial? And I think that's great if that fork existed, but in some companies, I don't think it exists. Mm-hmm. I think you have to kind of go one way. And I think, and from my experience, you know, especially for smaller companies, it's like that because- when you don't have as many people, you can't afford to have people only doing one thing. You need to have people that can do everything, can do management, can do technical, can do presentations, can do reports. And so my, my message to someone who is really interested in being a subject matter expert, which I think would be a great career, is you probably want to look at larger companies where they have the ability to say, hey, you can do stormwater for your entire career, get really, really good at it, get a PhD in it, become an expert in it. We need you for like testimony reports. We would love to have you do that. And so I do think that that is one of the downsides in the world of engineering is a lot of companies, you don't have an all technical path per se, but I do think that there are many companies with it. So you just have to find it. And again, having those career roadmaps available helps people to envision that, you know, maybe even if you showed it to, I, I recommend to the companies we work with that they show it in the interview process. Because I think it's a real good benefit to the, I mean, I'm sure that if you show someone that in an interview, they're going to say, wow, I've never seen one of these before. This is great. <laughs> right, right. That there really is a structure. There is a plan in place already the day I show up. Right. Or, or, or maybe not a plan so much as a choose your own adventure, but the paths are established. You don't have to finagle yourself into something that makes sense for you. The path is there. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you... If you had a contractor come to your house to put an addition on your house and you showed up and says, ah, I really don't have any plans. There's anything I'm going to follow. I'm just going to kind of wing it and build this thing. <laughs> you're going to be like, no, you're not. You know, so a chance. Yeah. same thing with your career. You want someone to say, hey, listen, Pat, we're excited to have you here. You know, we've got a couple of great career paths for you. We'd love for you to see kind of which one feels best for you as you get into things here. And we'll support you along the way as opposed to saying, here's your manager, you know, best of luck type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think you've... Uh... You made a pretty compelling case here for uh, for that particular approach and the importance of of career development and and really having a path for people to take for for those organizations who are are interested in doing something like this or, or possibly working with with you with your company the, the engineering management institute where could they go to learn more and take next steps yeah sure it's simple just go to our website engineeringmanagementinstitute.org click on the contact page and you could submit a contact form comes right to us we can get back to you we have a phone number you could call 800-920-4007 that's 800-920-4007 and we could just jump on a call you know complimentary talk about what you're doing talk about if we think we can help you i mean you know we want to we want to work with you if we can help you you know hopefully we can but you know it still just kind of boggles my mind a little bit that and I know I'm biased, but that companies don't see the value in these things because everything revolves around your people and you need to build them up so that they're able to deliver your projects effectively because also they affect retention because they're interacting with the people that they're leading, right? So, you know, I think it's all kind of connected. And I just hope that I am happy that since I've started doing this, there's been a major shift in now that companies are much more aware of the importance of these skill sets, I will say. And that's a big positive. And there are some more programs out there and more companies are doing more development programs. But it's still something that I think is 
you know, you're a minority in the industry if you're a company that has these types of development programs and these philosophies. And I hope that, you know, over the coming years that that changes because I know we had a big bill in the US here, a trillion dollar infrastructure bill that's going through right now. And that's not going to make the lives of any of these companies or engineering professionals easier. Everything's going to get more hectic. Mm. So it's going to become even more important to take care of your staff, invest in them, and you know, ensure that they can lead effectively and be productive like we talked about, or else people are just going to get burnt out. Absolutely. Well, Anthony, this has been a blast. Uh, I'm sure we could talk about uh, this stuff for hours. And uh, to that end, I'll absolutely be having you back here on the podcast. But uh, for now, th- thank you so very much for joining me today. This is great. Oh, Pat, thanks so much for having me anytime. All right. Talk again soon. Thanks, Pat. Thank you very much, Mr. Anthony Fasano. Uh, a wonderful chat. It really, Anthony's phenomenally well-spoken. He, he's been in this world for a very, very long time. He knows what he's talking about and has some incredible insights. As I often do when I listen back to the interviews as part of the editing process, there's a lot that, that stands out to me, and I wanted to touch on a few things right now. One is this idea that engineering is about people, which flies in the face of what many people think of when they think of our profession. But really, success is predicated on your ability to work with and get approval from or sell to people. It's a very people-focused line of work. So one of the things that he emphasized, and I absolutely agree with, is the importance of developing your people skills if you wish to progress in your career, particularly in management and leadership roles. This people element is super, super important. One of the other tidbits that I noticed was this idea that leadership relies on on goals and working toward those goals and getting your team excited about those goals and working toward them themselves. It's hard to imagine a team really thriving without goals underlying everything they do, because there's so much distraction, there's so much churn, there's so much busyness, that without goals to anchor yourself as a leader, and also your team and its work, it's very, very difficult to imagine getting things done and getting the right things done, most importantly, is being effective, which is one of these things that I talk about a lot in this productivity course that I mentioned off the top of the episode, is Productivity and getting things done relies most fundamentally on doing the right work in the first place. And the right work is the work that supports your goals. So I was really happy that Anthony mentioned that. And finally, the take-home message here, which is one of the more surprising things that I think Anthony shared, is that career growth and development is more important than salary or flexibility in the eyes of engineers working in industry. This is a bit of a shock to me, and I suspect it is to a lot of people listening as well, is this idea that, yeah, salary is important, but it's not really a differentiator. What's really going to differentiate you as a firm, as an organization, is your ability to provide the path for growth and support that growth for your people. So if you don't have a career roadmap, if you don't have a clear way to progress your people so that they understand what's ahead of them. So Anthony used this analogy of uh, paddling a canoe in the fog. You're only going to be so excited to paddle if you don't know where you're going. Clear the fog 
and help your people paddle. And you'll find that recruitment and retention and performance all improve dramatically. Thank you once again, Anthony. I really appreciate your time today. And I'm sure the people listening to this appreciate it as well. If you want to take a look at any of the links or resources that we mentioned during that conversation, you can go to the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 48. Next up, we've got the engineering and leadership mailbag. Well, my friends, you know how this works. This is the part of the show where I read your messages and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I promise to read my favorites right here in the podcast. I got a wonderful email from David L. who said, Hi, Pat. Many thanks for your encouraging words and many thanks for what you do. Well, thank you very much, David. I appreciate that. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm glad you're enjoying the content here. I got an email from Alfred F. who said, hi, okay, I do have a proposal. And this is in response to a message I sent to uh, my newsletter subscribers last week celebrating National Engineering Month and previous to that National Engineering Week in the States. So Alfred says, hi, I do have a proposal. I think engineers should take leadership in implementing energy traceability for embodied energy. And I thought that was a really interesting idea here that Alfred is presenting because one of the things that I, I talked about in my newsletter was the fact that engineers really do need to play a role in some of the greatest challenges of our time. Uh, climate change is a great example of that. It's hard to imagine a solution to climate change without engineers being involved. And Alfred has this really practical example of how engineers could help people understand where energy comes from in the products and services that they consume to help them make more informed choices. And I thought that was a really interesting idea. So I really do appreciate that, Alfred. Thanks again to all of those who reached out. If you'd like to chat with me or leave a comment, please do find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, or you can leave a comment in the episode show notes. That is all the time we have for the show today, but I'll be back again soon with our next episode, which will feature author and former champion football player Tanvir Bangu on why digital transformation projects have a lot less to do with technology than you might think. Don't forget, the Productivity for Engineering Managers course is now out. You can find out more at engineeringandleadership.com slash P-E-M. And again, you can get the course for half price if you use the code PRODUCTIVITY50. But remember, only the first 50 people are going to be able to use that code. And that offer expires this coming Friday, March 11th. So don't delay. If you enjoyed the show, please hit the subscribe button and please leave an honest review. Let me know what you thought was most interesting from today's episode, what you thought was good, bad, or even ugly. Whatever feedback you provide, that helps me make the show better and helps other people find the show as well. Finally, for more information and links to the resources mentioned today, just go to the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 48. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. To learn more about the Engineering and Leadership Project, including other podcasts, articles, free resources, courses, consulting, and much, much more, 
Just go to engineeringandleadership.com. That's engineeringandleadership.com.